as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Congratulations to UTRGV Health. We understand late last week we had some local leadership. They were moving dirt for a new facility, medical facility, that will in part help fight cancer. Dr. Guy Bailey, president UTRGV, joining us on the morning news. So tell us a bit more about this facility, Doc. Well, thank you for having me. You know, this... uh it will be a 145,000 square foot facility, and uh, the uh, it is that you said earlier. The primary purpose here is to help us address issues of cancer and to treat issues of cancer that uh, previously you probably had to go outside the valley to deal with. This is a huge, uh, a huge win both for us and, but more importantly for the whole Rio Grande Valley because, uh, you know. Rather than going to Houston, rather than going to to San Antonio, you'll be able to address those issues right here. There's a surgery center tied to it. Uh, we'll be able to address almost all kinds of cancer and provide really high-quality treatment. Uh, we've had been in an advisory relationship with MD Anderson. They have helped us with the design, with the treatment protocols, with the hiring of people. So they've been a partner with us and, and really been important to us every step of the way. Sounds like you'll need a lot of specialists, especially in the field of cancer. So how to Absolutely. how do we how do we staff? How do we man this big facility? Well, we'll we'll be hiring physicians, of course, and just as you mentioned, we'll hire physicians in all different areas of cancer. Uh, we'll have all kinds of uh, diagnostics there as well. Uh, you know the uh, the most recent and uh, best uh, diagnostic tools will be there. The best treatment tools will be there. And we'll hire uh, as many uh, faculty and staff as we need, uh, MDs, to uh, uh, to staff the place. So uh, there will be quite a bit of hiring associated with it over the next few years. You mentioned MD Anderson. Will they be helping, sending some folks down here as well, trying, trying to man the facility? Is this a partnership with them? Well, we're, we have an advisory relationship okay. with them. And what they do is, for example, help us design the facility, design the protocols, do the hiring. The hire, the, all, everybody we hire will be our employees who will be down here all the time. That's very important. These are not people being sent in here or coming in here. They're our employees who will be here every day. But uh, MD Anderson has been very helpful in advising us uh, about the hiring of employees. Dr. Guy Bailey, President UTRGV, our guest. Yeah, Dr. Bailey, Tim Sullivan here. I saw in one story that that this development is going to be the first uh, development in the um, that UTRGV academic medical campus there um, in the 495 Commerce Center development in McAllen. What else might be going in there, Ben? The most 
the most immediate thing and something that I'm sure we'll be doing a groundbreaking on before too long will be a collegiate high school in connection with the McAllen Independent School District. And uh, uh, again, this has been in the works. We'd already announced this uh, a couple months ago. And uh, again, we'll be doing a groundbreaking there before too terribly long. That's the most immediate thing. But as we add buildings for our medical school, <clears throat> that'll be a primary focus for us. You know, on the Edinburgh campus, we're pretty much out of space up there. And uh, the uh, and what this does will allow us to uh, really expand our entire healthcare enterprise. Uh, we've got 38 acres there, so it's very important. How does the new cancer facility doc help you at the medical school in providing work and internships and other opportunities for the students? Well, it is an educational facility as well as a treatment and a mm-hmm. research facility. And it's important that that all three of those, uh, we are an academic medical center, an academic. Uh, and so everything we do is not only about providing the best care possible for patients, it's also about providing the best education possible for our students and residents. And so uh, as you as you can imagine, there will be opportunities for them there that they simply don't have right now, okay. and uh, and that's huge as well. The the educational component uh, shouldn't be underplayed here either because we'll be training cancer specialists who, you know, can uh, uh, or we'll be training physicians who understand cancer in in important ways, and uh, that's a huge help for the valley. Dr. Guy Bailey, President, UTRGV. A few days back, there was an announcement that the relationship with DHR Health and the university was coming to an end as far as taking on some of these uh, right. interns. So uh, tell me, uh, give me a status report. Where do the medical school students then go after this relationship ends, and when does it officially end? Well, it, it, there's a three-year wind-down. But remember, we also have uh, similar relationships and, and similar agreements with, uh, with South Texas health systems here in town, you know, McAllen medical, we have them with Valley Baptist and Harlingen, and we have them in Westlaco as well with NAP. So, uh, first of all, we, we already, we already have a good many other things and other opportunities. And we think most of what we have can be absorbed uh, with those. At the same time, we're also working on agreements with other hospital systems in the Valley. And we should have, uh, <clears throat> I think, an announcement in a month or so about that. So, <clears throat> and this is just part of the natural evolution of it. You know, I've had, had medical schools in Kansas City, and those partnerships are not partnerships forever. They're partnerships for periods of time. And so, this one has been good for us for a period of time and it's coming to an end and and we'll have uh, as i said we have additional partnerships in the valley and are are working on one right now so it should that you shouldn't notice anything dr guy bailey president utrgv your guest Uh, dr bailey just to follow up on that has dhr health provided you with any explanation Mm -hmm. as to just why it terminated the agreement no, no. We, we knew that they were discussing it. And again, we don't we don't mess in the internal business of our hospital partners. So we don't understand what their their motives are. We don't. And again, 
that's not our affair. They can explain that to you if they choose. But uh, as I said, we don't we don't understand any of the hospital partners' internal motivations, and so, and that's really just it's not a concern with us. We understand when we do these agreements that. Uh, you know they'll last for x amount of time we don't know how long beyond that and uh, and we're just delighted to be able to work with people got any other brick and mortar projects any more feathers in the cap you you want to talk about right now before we let you go well why don't you just hang on for a (laughs) mid-november announcement (laughs) okay all right uh that that would be on the (laughs) on a different note entirely from medical school but I, we've talked about it before, so I don't want to give it away. I'm going to Hang guess on. we're in the venue of sports. <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 do some uh, we'll do some talking in mid-November. How about that? that sounds right. good. All right, Chief. Thank you. That's our president at UTRGV, Dr. Guy Bailey. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. I understand our broadband capability for Brownsville about to expand significantly. We might be moving dirt on this. Helen Damirez is our city manager for Brownsville. Helen, welcome back to KURV. So let's start with the expansion of broadband. What's on tap? Yes, hi, good morning. No, we're very excited because at 10 o'clock today at our Central Public Library, we're having our groundbreaking for our um, BTX Fiber uh, rings. Um, it's an about $90 million project. So it's we leveraged uh, 19.5 of our American Resource Plan money and leveraged it with $70 million of private equity investment. So we're really excited about starting that construction um, that'll take about 18 to 24 months. Okay. Um, however, um, what I like about it is that it'll be able to reach not only residents, but also businesses. So in terms of being an economic development force, um, it's very important. Are these new towers or is this cable that w- provides Internet all over town? Yeah, it's fiber connectivity, so it's very sustainable. Um, we may use uh, very little aerial, but mostly underground fiber because we understand that given the weather, uh, we need to be very sustainable. And they're actually rings, so they allow for a loop system and um, and redundancy. So uh, it'll also be in areas that have historically been underserved. So certain, um, you know, developed uh, older areas are downtown. Um, and so... You know, we're really excited about offering, you know, different types of even price points uh, depending on income levels. So um, it'll it'll be something that is available and accessible to our whole community 
given that we are uh, historically considered one of the least connected cities in the United States. Well, that should change that pretty quick. By when will all this cable be put underground and any other complementary technology? By when will all this be done? Well, we're, we're, like I said, we're starting now. We've already gone through, uh, already going through the permitting, um, and, and design, um, and starting construction. So, you know, I would say 18 months, um, to get all, you know, all the rings and everything completed, um, 18 to 24 months, depending how construction goes. I mean, as you know, there may be some areas where it's easier to construct, but the good thing is that we are using a lot of our public right-of-ways or even our trail system as a way to, we have a robust trail system in the city that even the right-of-way of our own trails is helping us get to some uh, residential areas. Helen Ramirez is our city manager for Brownsville. We're talking about the uh, expansion of internet broadband capability. They're laying down a bunch of fiber optic wire all over town and rings, expanding the capability for Internet access. So help me understand how this works, uh, Helen. So you, we, we lay down all this fiber optic cable and all these rings around the city. Do we then contract with Internet service providers, or does the city sell the service directly to the residents? How, how does that happen? Is this like electricity lines and you have retailers, or do we go, just go straight to customers? Right. Well, we've entered into a public-private partnership where the city's building the middle mile, um, and we are partnered with lit communities uh, to do the last mile. So, for for example, which is fiber to the home or to the business. So it's a public-private partnership um, where that, and that's why the cost is reduced, right? Because um, we're putting just like the highway, right? It's you know you will put in the main highway, and then the streets that go to a different city, maybe the like, for example, the state or the federal government may put the main highway, and then cities do the streets that go to their local communities. Well, here, the cost is being reduced because the, the government or the city, with our federal money that we received, pretty much, you know, free money, um, we're putting in the middle mile, the main, main framework, and then from there, uh, lit communities, uh, the provider will be providing fiber to the home or offering that to the home or the business. Um, so it's a, it's a good structure. You mentioned some of the more underserved areas of town will finally be hardwired and connected to the Internet. How is this provided for you know, these kids that need the Internet access in, in an affordable manner, really affordable manner where they can connect, do their homework? Sure. I mean, I think for now what we found is that the market didn't really meet their needs, right? Um, you know, normally ISPs traditionally, and what we've seen, at least in Brownsville, that they've served new greenfield developments, new subdivisions, but, you know, the return on investment isn't always there to go back, you know, tear up streets and stuff like that and, 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 and provide service for communities that are of a less socioeconomic um, you know, levels or status. And so what we're, what are, this is the, the whole purpose of this and the whole reason, you know, government usually doesn't get involved in these things unless they, they see that there's a need. In our community, there is a need. And our students were going to McDonald's to get internet service um, because their parents couldn't afford it or they just had bad connectivity. Um, that'll no longer be the case. We will provide um, some sort of subsidized price or reduced price um, for for those families um, that are most in need. 
um, and just be affordable in general or get a better service for the price that you're paying. Um, so, you know, it's, it's those types of things that that government also or community really needs to look at when the marketplace is not really um, meeting that need or that demand of the community. Helen Ramirez is our city manager for Brownsville. And if you can just indulge me, i got about three minutes left in our conversation, Helen. We've talked about this before. Power generation for Brownsville and the area and the region. We really need it for economic development purposes. And, you know, down the street, Brownsville Public Utility, they've got their issues right now. They're dealing with a storm and the audit and the overpricing of electricity. And I don't know what they did with the money. I guess they should, put a, should have put an escrow for us to have that money to build that power plant. Either way, looking at that Tanaska project in the River Mirror, but we still need power generation. Uh, we, we, we talked about this before. Sure could use it to set up, uh, for example, a, a, a steel mill or something like that, or maybe even help LNG when it shows up at the Port of Brownsville. What is the possibility, once the smoke clears and the dust settles from this BPUB and Tanaska thing and the rate thing, that we can get back to serious conversations about bringing a new power producer for the area to help economic development? Well, I think we're looking at, uh, well, first of all, the city commission today is uh, taking action on rolling back and reducing the rates uh, for um, our residents 11 uh, percent. Um, but besides that, I, I think we are also looking at other alternative energy, such as uh, microgrids, um, wind farms, photovoltaic. Um, so I think it's it's looking at all types of energy, whether it's green energy, um, renewable energy, or the traditional energy grid. Um, we are still having those discussions, um, and we will continue to how to increase um, the distribution um, to uh, you know our communities, since you know we're very south, right? And and that can be an advantage and a disadvantage at times uh, with power generation and getting there, but. Um, the state is aware of our needs. Um, they are um, supportive of that. And what we also have to work on is redundancy, right? So not relying just on, you know, one type of, of energy source, but having backup um, cells and backup microgrids, which we do uh, intend to build um, the next year or so. Helen, thank you for the update. Our city manager for Brownsville, Helen Ramirez. Your Houston Astros play here. And he drives this one up the middle. That's a base hit. Catch Astros baseball action all season long on News Talk 710 KURV. Deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye. Every hit. Every home run. First pitch and he drives it. Left field. Good one. It's out of here. Astros baseball is powered by F&T Valley Motorsports, Riverside Development Services, MissionIncredible.com, and News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. In the event there's a tropical system in the Gulf of Mexico churning this way, you want to keep it tuned to 710-KURV. Stay informed during hurricane season. Tropical coverage 2022 on air and online at KURV.com. Made possible by Mike's Plumbing, Electrical, and AC. Vega Roofing. 
McAfee Insurance, and Elephant Building Materials. One of the leaders of the Texas Power Grid electricity efforts in town a few days back, Mr. Peter Lay. They were talking about AEP's efforts to refurbish, to increase strength and capacity for AEP infrastructure, electricity delivery infrastructure. Let me bring Lee Jones from AEP into the program. Welcome back, Lee. So what can you tell me about this powwow a few days back in the Valley? What's being done in order to protect the power grid and electricity delivery to our homes here in the Valley? Well, you're correct, Sergio. Chairman Peter Lake of the Public Utility Commission of Texas was down to talk about some projects that the PUC has authorized to enhance the reliability of the electric grid to the Valley. Specifically, he talked about uh, several projects. One project is a the addition of capacity to an existing line. We built a 345,000-volt line from Laredo to Brownsville oh, about six years ago, and that line will have a second circuit added to it to double its capacity. And that, that project is uh, on the fast track since, since the right-of-way is already there and the poles are already in place. The rest of the projects are all new lines. The PUC, following winter storm Uri and just looking at the growth of the valley and to enhance the reliability of the valley, has ordered a fourth 345,000-volt circuit to be built to the valley. And that, that line will consist of about six different lines. It'll originate in just south of San Antonio and San Miguel, come down through the middle of the ranch land to, to a station we're going to build just east of Hebronville, and then continue on to the Rio Grande Valley uh, to our Del Sol station, which is just outside of Rio Grande City. And then from Rio Grande City, we'll extend that line down to uh, just south of Mission. In addition to those lines, there will be lines built to connect Laredo to the new station east of Hebronville, and then over to the wind farms in Kennedy County. So it'll be kind of like a large cross built uh, from San Antonio to the valley, and then from Laredo to Kennedy County. The setup that you described, does that create backups and redundancies in the event that some lines are compromised while we get our juice from the other portions of, as you said, the cross? That's correct also. Originally, we had two 345,000 volt lines that originated in the Corpus area and roughly followed the 77 and 281 quarters to the valley. I mentioned the third line we built about six years ago. This fourth line is built for redundancy, but it's also added capacity to the valley. And then the the cross lines from Laredo to Kennedy County, that also gives us alternative paths and more more options in case, you know, there's a problem with a, a segment of a line. You know, we have more ways to bypass and move the power around the system. And so it gives us a lot more operational flexibility but it will also give us quite a bit more capacity to serve the valley. Lee Jones with AEP. These are the folks that are in charge of the electricity infrastructure, putting up all those lines. A few days back, we had the Public Utility Commission Chief Peter Lake in town, along with AEP folks talking about improvements to the electricity grid. Do you recall, Lee, man, I remember this. I think it was like mid-late 90s. I was just a young pup reporter back then, there was a huge power outage. You described the Corpus Christi line down to us. For, for some reason, it was either wind, something happened. And that stuff got clipped at like one big line to us got clipped somehow. And most of the valley was without power like for 48 plus hours as a result of that. We're far from that now. I mean, even the population, we're like at least 700,000, 800,000 people more now than we were 
back then, and the Valley's still growing super, super fast. I mean, how do you assess the demand for more lines into the Valley or maybe spur friends, partners to generate some more power somehow, invest in that in South Texas? One of the things that came out of the winter storm, Uri, and, and Chairman Lake did talk about that, they are looking way, for ways to increase the amount of, of generation. Uh, we were, we rely on the transmission grid for the valley, partly because we don't really have enough generation uh, in the valley to meet our really peak demands. Now, these we, we have seen a lot of uh, solar and wind generation spring up, um, but, you know, the the only... The only problem with that is if the wind's not blowing or the sun's not shining, you can't tell them to turn on and run. They're not dispatchable power, you know, it's like a gas power plant would be. And I know Chairman Lake and the PUC is looking for ways to incentivize more on-demand type sources of power. Uh, but these lines will open up uh, more land for development for solar and wind, and and that certainly does help the the texas grid you know solar and wind power provide power at uh, no fuel cost and so that certainly works into the economics of of keeping power reasonably reasonably priced so uh, we need all the sources of power and these lines will will do both it will help incentivize getting more wind and solar on and and hopefully get uh, some more natural gas or other on-demand type generation sources into the valley you know, because one of the problems is when we have enough wind down here now that on some days we need to push that wind back out to the rest of the ERCOT grid to, you know, to benefit the rest of the ERCOT grid. So these lanes will help facilitate uh, that and, and hopefully incentivize some plants to, okay. to look at coming to the valley. Yeah, obviously. Just keep an eye on that. Something lawmakers likely will need to wrestle uh, next session, uh, early next year. So all these upgrades that you told me, all these new lines, uh, by when will all these new projects be done? The uh, the in-service date for all of these projects is uh, late 2026. Different segments will come online much quicker. The second circuit we're building along the existing power line, it will be in service by uh, end of 2024. So between 2024 and 2026, we'll really begin to see the, the benefits of these projects. Lee, thank you for being a phone call away, as always. Take care, brother. Lee Jones from AEP. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Might we see cheaper light bills near future in our city of Brownsville? 
Let's bring in our mayor, Trey Mendes. This is part of conversation at City Hall this week. Mayor, welcome back. So we understand, you know, all the problems down the street at Brownsville Public Utility. And the gist of it, for folks barely catching up to this, power generation proposal, what, about a, almost a decade ago, fell through. But the light bill rate increases spurred by that proposal, uh, those, you know, were put in place, never went down. So let's uh, catch up to speed on what the conversation related to all this was at City Hall. So where are we as far as the potential for decreasing the utility rates, uh, light bill in Brownsville near future as a result of, you know, all the stuff that was revealed by a recent audit? Sure. Uh, good morning, Sergio. And <clears throat> I think you, you put it pretty accurately as far as the way you described the project. I think um, the city commission, uh, and I was elected in, in 2019, and as far as a, a couple other commissioners as well, and I think pretty early on, um, I'm also an ex-official member of PUB, so pretty early on, um, it was obvious at that point in 2019 that nothing had been happening for, for at least a couple of years. So one of the first things I did as mayor um, on the PUB board was make sure that we set aside whatever money was remaining um, that we, were, we had collected from from those rate increases. And at the time, it was about $29 million. So we did set that aside pretty early on in late 2019. Okay. Now, um, on the city commission side, the city commission is the one that deals with uh, lowering rates. And the only way we can actually lower rates is if it's recommended to us by PUB. That's the way the city charter reads, and, and that's the way we, we have to do it. So PUB didn't actually ever recommend any sort of rate decreases to us until uh, late last year. And that was partially uh, based on my insistence. Also, uh, the rest of the board did agree to do that. So um, we did that late last year as PUB. It was approved uh, earlier this year as a city. And we did agree to, to reduce those rates 22% on the electric side, which brought it back to um, to the uh, pre-Tanaska 2013 rates. Uh, we did do it in, in two different phases, 11% here uh, several months ago, and then 11% was scheduled for middle of next year. Uh, I did put an item on the agenda for yesterday, uh, which would just accelerate that 11%, and it was approved on the first reading. We do need to do another reading, uh, which we should do, be doing here pretty quick. All right. Mayor, the, that Tenasca project, the you know that proposal for that power generation facility, uh, as you mentioned, dates back to 2016. 2019, you mentioned that $29 million were set aside from the revenue that was coming in from the increased, uh, increased light bills. Is that $29 million representative of the six-year uh, increase or just for the 2019 period? And if so, w- what happened to the rest of the money between 2019 and 2013? Do you know? You know, sir, that's a good question, and, and the $29 million isn't only 2019, but it's not the whole entire period either. Okay. Um, I don't have exactly how many years that may have been, but all I know is that that's what was actually in the account. Um, your your question regarding what happened to the rest of the money, the forensic accounting firm that we hired um, did do um, pretty good analysis of, of a lot of the spending, and um, I don't have those exact numbers in front of me, but I can kind of um, just give you more or less on yeah. those, and and I know that we, there was about twenty nine to thirty million dollars uh, that was spent on project costs. That's going to be uh, engineers, attorneys, right away acquisitions, and then there was um, close to, I, I guess, high fifty millions was used for um, for what they call subsidy, uh, which was given back to ratepayers in the forms of a. Uh, fuel charge subsidy, which was uh, in a way kind of artificially lowering the uh, 
the fuel charges. Okay, so through the year, some of those subsidies were sent back uh, to their... Yes. Uh, who, who hired the auditor? Part, like I said, high 50 million, almost 60 yes, million. Yes, sir. Uh, Mayor, who hired the auditor? Uh, the city commission did. Okay. And that was something we felt was very important um, during our campaigns in, in 2019. A lot of people expressed concerns about the project, and, and rightfully so. So we felt that um, that was the right thing to do, right. get a real accounting, get get an outside firm to do it. Somebody that had no uh, local ties, somebody that could do a good job, get you know go dig through the documents. In the end, they dig, they dug through tens of thousands of documents. It took them about 11 months, and they did a, a pretty thorough job. It's a 69-page report. It's available publicly on our website, um, and um, it was Carr, Riggs, and Ingram, and I think they did a, a really good, thorough job, and, and gave us the answers we all, we all want to hear. Our mayor for Brownsville, Trey Mendez, our guest on KURV. Yeah, Mayor Tim Sullivan here. So this 22% rate rollback that uh, was tentatively approved last night, did you say that amounts to, that will amount to a full refund of what we now know were rate hikes that, that weren't warranted? No, what it does, what it does, Tim, is the 22% partial. It was actually approved by the commission earlier this year. Let's say about six months ago, um, it was done. However, in two different phases, uh, two separate 11% phases. The first one did take effect several months ago, and the second one was was going to be uh, taking effect this coming summer. But we moved that up. So at the end, uh, once the full 22% goes into effect, which should be uh, within a few weeks, then um, at that point, those 22% reductions would reflect the um, pre-Tanaska electric rates. Oh, I see. Okay. So customers will um, now be seeing some lower electric bills. Uh, does there need to be also personnel changes then at, at the management level at BPUB? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and it's one that, um, unfortunately, you have a board that, that has seven individuals, and, and there are seven different opinions as to that. Uh, the commission is, is another seven with, with more opinions, right? But um, I think everybody can agree that there should be accountability. What accountability looks like is different to each person. Um, I believe that um, that there definitely should be full accountability there. And uh, the PUB board did agree a couple days ago to place our CEO, uh, Mr. John Bruziak, on administrative leave. Uh, it was done with pay uh, on, on advice of counsel. And uh, it's going to be for sixty days. Yeah, with respect to the Tenasca project itself, well, we all we now know what was contained in the audit and the conclusions that it arrived at. But do you think w- were there any reasons at all to, to hold on to hope that that Tenasca could find the buyers it needed to be able to, you know, get this project built? Based on on my review the, of the audit, which I've read now a couple times. Um, I, I don't see any sort of reason that there should have been hope any time past 2017. There was a clear, clear messaging from Tenasca itself um, directing uh, PUB that the project was, was done and that they were not going to be moving forward. Is there anything on that property yet at all where the generation plant was to have been built? Has that area been developed at all? Uh, not that I'm aware of. But uh, I can tell you that as far as the right-of-way acquisitions, PUB still does own those. Uh, that was for uh, the natural gas pipeline that was going to be carrying the, the gas for the power generation plant. I know I should know this question, being a news nerd, election nerd and all, but Brownsville PUB leadership, are they appointed or are they elected? Uh, P- 
PUB leadership is um, appointed by the PUB board, and then the PUB board is appointed by the city commission. And in order to remove a PUB board member, uh, the charter states that it's only one PUB board member that can be removed per year. It has to be a, a unanimous vote of the commission. So it's a very, very difficult wow. Uh, wow. thing to do based on our city charter, and, and that's something okay. we're going to look at as well. Yeah, that's real interesting. Trey Mendez, our mayor in Brownsville, joining us. Well, let's go back to the the potential for that power generation with Brownsville growing leaps and bounds, man, with the ports demanding so much power. We had that steel mill foundry proposal, that project that was going to suck a lot of energy and really needed it uh, had we a power generator. LNG in the future, all that. You know what's going on. Do we need a power generation station, a new one, Tanaska style, at Brownsville to power industry? You know, at this point, I don't see the need for that because of, of electric rates um, being what they are in the market. Uh, I don't see that. However, I'm not a power expert. Um, I, I think that uh, ERCOT has brought some more power generation online, and that was in our other report as well. Um, but it really depends on the type of industry and, and exactly what their power needs are. So that's uh, um, above my pay grade, I should say. Anything else you want to mention from the... You know, City business perspective or the meeting yesterday in Browns, we want folks to know. I know we talked a little about... Well, you know, like, uh, another know. thing, uh, Serge, is that um, the city, the PB board did on Monday also, um, aside from placing Mr. Brzeziak on leave, we also did agree to um, suspend um, disconnections and to waive late season penalties until February of 2023. Um, that's also done in, in light of, of the audit, in light of... of Several ratepayers having issues paying paying their bills. Um, that does require approval of the city commission now as a second ratification. We will be doing that here very quickly, so we hope to do that within the next week or so. All right, Mayor. Hey, thanks for the update. Good to talk again. Trey Mendez, our mayor in Brownsville. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Roll the clock back to many months ago. Massive fire at Mott's Building Materials here in far Texas. Shut down operations for a while at a place where many local contractors, builders, and, you know, do-it-yourself dudes and dudettes would go and get their parts and get their equipment. Jeremy Smith, we're gonna, he's going to give us an update. He's with Mott's Building Materials. Jerry, welcome back to the program. So you guys up to 100 percent, you know, pre-fire. So what's going on at, at your place? Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, n- we're not back to 100 percent. We are uh, fully operational from a contractor standpoint, which we've been since pretty much February 1st. Um, from a retail standpoint, we still have our other two stores fully operational, but we're getting very close to uh, breaking ground for our our rebuild and we'll have 
hopefully, if all goes well, our our new business fully operational no later than September, October of 2023. Um, but in the meantime, we've been servicing customers at roughly the same pace from a, a revenue standpoint. But obviously, over the last month or so, uh, we've we've started to see some slowdown in in in, in business uh, as, as normally happens at this time of the year, and also in in the current market environment but no all in all uh we've been blessed and and i i can't say that i i would have expected us to be in the position we're in all right uh currently to start the year thank god for insurance right <laughs> oh thank god i mean god you know, you know we're 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 a strong christian family we really believe we've been put in in a position and blessed uh didn't come without burden and 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 try and trial but bottom line is, it's been it's been a, 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 a great year for us and a, a, a rebirth uh, to a large degree. Good brother, Jeremy Smith with Mott's Building Materials. After that massive fire uh, many months back, um, they're firing in all cylinders. You got some um, satellite locations, right, Jerry? Yes, sir. We uh, I'm currently at the San Benito store. It's fully operational. Has been since uh, you know. Uh, 1969, and we added on Palmview in 2015. Also, fully has you know uh, everything the bar store has uh, on a smaller scale, uh, but 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 still, uh, we we can service the valley fully from those two locations, and with our with our far store uh, operating at you know 90% capacity, uh, we we feel very very good about the position we're in. From Mott's Building Materials owner Jeremy Smith is my guest. And I bring him back for an update, but the reason I called uh, Jeremy about a couple of years back in the middle of COVID and the slowdown and supply chain issues, uh, I mean, it's been almost that long. We had a, a special mm-hmm. report at this uh, radio station, uh, and Jerry, he's, he's an expert. He sees, he's on the front lines of distribution, front, front lines of logistics, front lines of supply chain issues when it comes to all the components that make up a building, a house. Insulation, wood, uh, doorknobs, you know, nails, screws—you name it—and he, he sees it all. And so he provides mm-hmm. expert uh, advice and, uh, and and analysis of what, what was going on. And has the supply chain issue um, has that been resolved at least on the construction side, Jerry? What can you report? Uh, to a large degree, it has. Uh, over the last two to three months, we've seen. Uh, a pretty major increase in available product. Uh, I think, you know, when supply chain issues were at their peak, uh, profit margins were very high and companies, manufacturers across the world had a major incentive to find a way under difficult circumstances to fix the supply chain. And they did so. And in most cases, and I'm not saying across the board because there are some, there are still some pockets of difficult items but give me an example what what what's hard to find right now jerry give me an example what's hard Um, to find you know within within lumber for example there's uh we sell dimensional lumber which is two inch lumber uh you can find it as 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 far as the eye can see when it comes to long length lumber when it comes to boards that are one by boards instead of two by boards they're they're for whatever reason maybe the the supply the price difference at the time didn't make sense to manufacture them and they didn't pick up the manufacturing as fast. Outside of that, most components that were the hardest to find from, from my standpoint have become at least 90% easier than they were before. What solved so, it, Jerry? Uh, what, what, what was the solution? What, what solved it? 
Um, a drop, uh, you know, a slight drop in demand, and okay, and increase, <laughs> that helps, uh, and and and, and, a, and a corresponding increase, slight increase in supply. Both of those things working in unison have put the customer in the driver's seat as far as purchasing. So it is a very good time to buy from a price perspective. Obviously, interest rates are high, financing is difficult, but if you have the means, this is you know house prices have come off and and um. And materials costs have definitely fallen, uh, you know, as much as 50 to 70 percent, depending right. on the item. From Mott's Building Materials, Jeremy Smith, owner, uh, we're looking at supply chain issues now. So many months back when I remember you told me insulation, for example, is really hard to find, mm-hmm. very expensive. Correct. And, and of course, complementing that was some AC units and uh, components for AC units, doors, windows, uh, all those items. Bit by bit, as they're tapping, the, I would expect that they're, as far as construction, because of home prices and high interest rates, they're tapping the brakes on that just a little bit. It's not the construction and the purchase not as crazy, the demand not as crazy as it was just, you know, 12, 18 plus months ago, right? Absolutely. I think that's, that, that hits the nail on the head. I mean, it's, 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 it's just a small slowdown. And a small increase in supply can have an, a, a big dynamic effect on, on 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 availability. And you're right; I buy a, a wide gamut of products, and I can tell you from 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 the lowest end item to the highest end items of the bigger freight, the smaller items in freight included, even trucking, uh, rail service has all improved over the last two to three months. And it's because of a, a small tick down in demand, just enough to put. Uh, to put things back in balance. Do you recall, Jerry, and let's, for example, wood. Remember that was a big story? All these planks and all these boards, all this wood that was hard to find. What was it? Did it, at, at peak, was it four times the normal price, six times the normal price? What was it back then? It was generally uh, on the, you know, at least double, but a lot of the key items were more like four, 400% higher than they had been at their Oof. lowest points. Um, and, and we've regressed to numbers that are probably 20 to 25% above long-term 2000 prior pen, you know, 2019 and prior numbers. Um, there is some inflation baked in, uh, costs have risen, operating costs have risen, cost of, you know, uh, fuel has risen, uh, transportation costs, insurance costs, all of those things will keep, uh, a, a lower a floor on pricing, but uh, we're we're much closer to 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 costs than we were, uh, say six, eight, ten months ago, where things were really ridiculously out of control price wise. Continued success, Jeremy. Really appreciate your time today for the update, and we'll check in and we'll check in with you in a few weeks or, well, or just, months. Just, yeah, sure. And keep in mind, we're we're 2023 is going to be a rebirth year for us. We're going to be here, and we're going to come back stronger than ever. Um, uh, just wait until 2024. Amen. Pray, I uh, pray that it's so. Thank you, brother. From Moss Building Materials, Jeremy Smith. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710K URV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV.
Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.